Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you're an awesome and wonderful God. We thank you that your word forever changes us. And we pray that as the word comes out of my mouth, Father, that it'll be all of you, God, that 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 will be heard, God, that your spirit will will be poured out and that people will hear the words that you have to hear. I come against any spirits of offense and anger and hurt and all those things now in the name of Jesus. I declare that we'll all be more mature after hearing the word tonight. I declare that to be so and I come against any attacks of the enemy to cause division or anything like that that comes against the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I had to pray against offense because tonight we're going to talk about honoring your pastor. And, and I may say a few things that, that may bother you. Uh, just, just, just know it's not intentional to bother you. But, uh, but <laughs> I love, I so love this church. Y'all can't see uh, the, the people in the studio. They're funny. So, but tonight we're going to talk about honoring your pastor. It, it's crazy because I had, I mean, I was prepared to do something totally different. We're going to talk, like I told you about last week, we're going to talk about the heart and mouth connection, but uh, but we went a different direction, all right? And so as we talk about that tonight, uh, tell your neighbor, go ahead and type type in a, uh, in a thing, judge yourself, judge yourself. Because at the end of the day, uh, I was examining my own heart towards my pastors as I was preparing for this message. And so as we go through this tonight, I want you to make sure that you're judging your own heart when it comes down to honoring your man and woman of God. And tonight, don't don't I know women are pastors as well. So I may say tonight, pastor, I may say he or whatever. Don't 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 come for me. I I got a woman as a pastor, Pastor Sean. I know women are pastors, but as we talk tonight, if I say he or him or whatever, uh, just know that I'm talking about everybody. Okay. So I'm not sure if y'all know a little, little trivia here. Let's see. I'm not sure how delayed it is. Can somebody who is new to FOC, meaning the last three years, tell me when was the first service at Fellowship of Champions? Somebody, though, you get, not the old school folks that's been around for decades. Who knows the year, the month, or anything like that, that FOC had their first service? Now, wait a second. Uh, let's see. Pastor Edward put the eyes in there. Uh, let's see. Does anybody know? I know it's like a 20 second delay. Uh, all right. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, the trivia. What was the What was the first service of FOC? We do a little history lesson tonight. Oh, it's crickets in the comment section right now. Straight crickets. All right. Let me let me bail y'all out then. So the first service was April 9th, 2000, all right? My notes are even wrong. When I'm looking at my notes, it's April 9th, 2000, all right? Uh, it was in a storefront, Josh, actually. It was in a storefront. I actually wasn't there because on April 9th of 2000, I was in Prescott, Arkansas. I was a senior in high school. I didn't join the ministry until August of 2001. All right. So Latonia said she was close. But anyway, on April 9, 2001, Pastor Edward and Pastor Sean uh, founded FOC. And I want to say, was it in Fayetteville? In Fayetteville in the storefront. All right. At the time, the church wasn't even called FOC. It was called Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Coaching. All right. That was the name of the ministry. Right. They founded this. So it was founded over 20 years ago. 
and it was their uh, desire. It wasn't their desire to have an ordinary church. Pastor Aaron Pashan was intent on doing what God had uh, had called them to do. And when God calls you into ministry, He doesn't call you just to be ordinary. He gives you a calling for your life, and the calling for us was to teach people how to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of life. So we're going to teach the word with, with simplicity and understanding, right? That's what they called us to do. Uh, and, you, and you'll see now when I talk about the mission, I'm always saying us, we, our, because as we go through this, one of the ways that you honor your man of God is that you help fulfill the vision. It's not Pastor Edwin and Pastor Shun's vision. It's our vision. Because one honor comes through endeavoring to partner with your man and woman of God to ensure that what God has placed in their heart will come to pass. All right. So when they started the ministry, they understood that it's going to be a worldwide ministry and they needed other people to join them. And when they was, uh, I remember when Pastor Elwin, I was here at that point, he was talking about when people join the ministry that we're not going to call them members. We're going to call them partners. Because when you have a membership, like I got a membership at Sam's Club. I don't contribute anything to Sam's Club, right? I give them that little $100 a year or whatever for the membership. But outside of that, how do I make Sam's Club better? What do I do? If I want to go to Sam's Club, I can. But if I never want to participate at Sam's Club or buy anything that they got, then I don't have to because membership really doesn't commit you to doing anything. And so when he was there, I think it was in the cafeteria, he talked about partnership. We're going to call people at FOC partners. Why? Because in a partnership, you have a number of individuals with the same interests and the same willingness invested in a business or enterprise to get things done, right? In a partnership, duties and activities, the growth and the expansion of the ministry, the expenses, the profits, the wins and the losses, they're all shared among the pro, uh, the partners. So it isn't that Pastor Edwin is ever losing. If Pastor Edwin's losing, I'm losing. And, and because why? It's a partnership. We're in this together. So they wanted to share ownership of the ministry, of the vision that God had given them for FOC. And as a partner, you got to understand that you're more than just a person who attends a church, but you have an active role in the success of this ministry. Go ahead and type that. Say, I have an active role in the success of FOC. I have an active role in the success of FOC. I have an active role in the success of FOC. Because as a partner at FOC, you know we we are so extremely blessed to have Dr. Pat, I mean Dr. Uh, I said Dr. Dr. Uh, Strickland and Dr. Strickland, Dr. Shun. Uh, with us, all right? We, we, they are a gift. And, and one of the things that we'll talk about tonight, you can't even honor the man of God if you don't even uh, recognize them as people sh that should be honored. And, and that's going to be step one. I got to recognize that they're worthy to be honored. I got to recognize that. All right. And if you think about your relationship with them, if you think about the time that you've been in FOC, I bet you can come up with a story or, or, or a testimony or something on how they have transformed your life and that they have motivated you and that helped you get out of a situation. Why? Because of the practical, word-based and relevant teachings that they provide, right? Kimberly Bennett, I mean, Kimberly Dennis, you got, they are a gift. 
And any if you ever got a gift that you've always wanted, it ain't it ain't something that you just throw aside, right? My grandma, when I grew up, had a what she called a whatnot shelf, and it had her little precious trinkets on it. And uh, any and if her kids gave her something, uh, her grandkids gave her something, she put it on there and she guarded that with her life. Why? It was a gift in which she cherished. And our man and woman of God are gifts in which we should cherish. There are things that we should honor, that we should respect. And we're going to go through the ways that we are, we can honor our man and woman of God in a moment. But that, but we got to recognize that they are worthy to be honored, not just because we feel like it, but because the word says so too. All right. And what we got to understand is Pastor Edward and Pastor Sean, they have a family. They have their own businesses. They have work obligations, but they do not allow any of that to interfere with their calling to pastor us. Over 20 years, I've seen Pastor Edwin work multiple jobs, 40 hour week, 60 hours a week at, at the school, come home and then do any and everything he can to make sure FOC runs and grows the way that God has purposed in his heart for it to be. He didn't make an excuse for that. He did what it took, all right? And because he was willing to do what it, it took, and Pastor Sean was willing to do what it took, now they're walking in the manifestation of what God showed them all the way back in 2003 when we was on Thompson Avenue in them offices, and we had those little stars on that website that started in Arkansas and expanded. Why? Because they didn't make excuses. They committed to the vision that God had for them. And so what we got to understand, when they partner with God, then God was going, God sent them every partner they needed to make this thing come to part. Go ahead and say, I am that partner. I'm that partner that FOC needs to, uh, to, to impact the world. I'm that partner that FOC needs to ensure that the blind see. I'm that partner that FOC needs to ensure that the, the dead are raised, that the people are raised from the dead, that the lame walk. You know, I'm that partner. I'm that partner. Why? Because that's how we roll at FOC. We all endeavor to go. All right. So, so as you can see, our pastor, our man and woman of God, they are gifts. All right. And because they are gifts, they should be honored. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 in the message, it says this. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. All right. Their job is to help us to urge and guide us along in our obedience. One of my favorite things that always sticks with me, uh, and I, I'm not sure if Pastor Evan or Pastor Sean said it, but we were doing leadership work and, and we was talking about uh, pastors and their roles, but the thing that always stick out to me is this statement. Our, your pastors help you see the blind spots in life. And so that has always stuck out to me because so many times you don't want to be real with your past. You, you don't want to listen to them. You don't want to do the things that they're asking you. And so many times what they're asking you could seem like an opinion. But you got to understand that when they give a directive, it's not really an opinion. It's not whether I should do it or whether I should do it. They are urging and guiding you along in your obedience. That's what the word says. Then I love the second part, and we'll get into it a little bit more later. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love 
overwhelm them with what? Appreciation and love. Now, now some of y'all need to read this second part a couple of times. Get along among yourselves, each of you what? Doing your part. Each of you doing your part. And I'll go ahead and tell you, you want to know a way to honor Pastor, Pastor Edwin? You do your part. You, you listen <laughs> when he get when you come to him and you ask for instruction and he give you instruction. You do what he has instructed. Why? Because it's his responsibility to urge and to guide you along in what? Your obedience. So he's going to guide and instruct us, but it's our obligation to obey. And then he says, don't overwhelm them. I mean, overwhelm them with appreciation and love, then get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. What's your part to obey? What's your part to believe? What's your part to show up? What's your part to give? You know, what's your part to fast when he say fast on Monday at eight to after prayer on Tuesday? I mean, th those, I know it can appear as something that's optional, but when the thing uh, you got to understand is, when you, God has given us pastors after his own heart. That's what the Bible says. And if you feel like God has called you to be here, then I need to be able to trust God with, with the people, with the man and woman of God he has placed in my life. So if Pastor Evan said it's time to fast, guess what it's time to do? It's time to fast. It doesn't matter if my body feel like it. It doesn't matter if my mind feel like it. It doesn't even matter if I feel like it or if I want to, because so many times, you don't get to see the things that you want in life because you're dishonorable. Because you fail to honor the office of the fivefold ministry. You fail to do those things. And because when you fail, when you operate in dishonor, what happens is you make their life grievous. And the Bible says that causes you to be unprofitable. That's what the Bible says. So let's keep going because it's my goal to get done. Uh, tonight in an hour. So I don't want to hold y'all and I'm not going to prolong this. So I'm going to go through these scriptures tonight. But before I go through these scriptures, I want y'all to look at these statistics, right? Why should I honor my man and woman of God? Look at these statistics from several different sources. I've tried to name them all, but uh, check this out. 1,500 clergy leave pastoral ministry each month. Go ahead and shout, my man and woman of God, they still here. Yet they still here. 1,500 pastors are leaving every month. Now, they've had opportunities to leave. They've had opportunities to go other places, but they still here, all right? I want y'all to look through these facts. So I want y'all to know why we should be honoring our man and woman of God. 83% of clergy spouses want their spouse to leave pastoral ministry. You know why them spouses want they, they supposed to leave? Because we ain't treating them right. We making their life difficult. We making our, their life hard. We're not wanting to listen to the pastors. We're coming every week asking for the advice and guidance on the same thing that we didn't do the week before. We're pulling the man and woman of God away from everything because we feel like they're supposed to be at our kids' soccer games. They're supposed to be at Luke Journey's graduation. They're supposed to be at, 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 at Clarissa's uh, birthday party. Your pastors don't got to be your friends. Your pastor's job is to grow you up. But their spouses want them out the job because we wearing our men and women down. We wearing them down. All right, let's go to the next one. 
50% of pastors indicated that they would leave ministry if they had another way of making a living. Go, listen, it is our job at FOC to treat our men and women of God so good that they, 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 they don't even think about going anywhere else. How many of you guys want a pastor that the only reason he pastoring you is because he don't got nothing else to do? He don't got no, nowhere else to go make a wage. He don't got nowhere else to go get money from. So he just stuck. Do you think, I mean, and let's just be real about it. It ain't always that they want to go somewhere. It's just sheep causing the shepherd to want to leave sheep because they ain't being sheep. They ain't following. They wanting to be shepherds themselves. But there's a scripture that actually talks about that you ain't ready for that. All right. So let's keep going through these statistics because I want y'all to understand why we should honor. 90% of pastors report working between 55 to 75 hours per week. Now, the other thing you got to understand is that a good portion of pastors aren't full time. Yeah, Pastor Chris, we take good care of them. So, so look, they're working 55 to 75 hours per week. And, and, and that statistic doesn't talk about the size of the ministry, all right? Because the larger the ministry, the more it could be, you know? I mean, what if the pastor Evan didn't have no help? What if there wasn't a Pastor Chris, a uh, uh, Minister Chandra, a uh, Pastor Nitra, a uh, Pastor Sean? You know, what 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 if he had to do midweek service and, and Sunday service? What if we never grew up and became mature children who were able to give and partner with him? What I mean, don't you think he'd been wore out? Let's keep going. 33% state that being in ministry is an outright hazard to their family. That's a lie. At FOC, that ain't the fact over here. 50% feel unable to meet the demands of the job. 70% do not have someone they consider a close friend. I'm so glad that over the years, Pastor Edwin got some friends. <laughs> I mean, he's always had some friends, but he had people that came to the church as just partners. He had people that came to the church as wanting to learn, who allowed them to speak into his life. And over time, they went from they went from just uh, as we talked about sonship, right? They went from just Christians, just partners, to just growing up and become contributing partners. To the fact that they're now sons, and now he can call some of us friends. And, but don't get it trick twisted though. Pastor Edwin may be my friend, but he is number one, my pastor. It is never going to be, we may laugh, we may joke, we may do all those things, but he is my pastor and we will never, ever get that uh, distorted <laughs> uh, because you got to know your role. All right. But so many people come into ministry uh, or come to a ministry and they want the pastor to be your friend. The pastor's job ain't to be your friend. Your pastor's job is to grow you up. The pastor's job is to help you walk out your obedience and don't make his job grievous. 94% of clergy families feel the pressures of the pastor's ministry. So not only does being a, uh, a minister impact the minister himself, but it also impacts their kids, the civ I mean, the, the kids and the, and the spouses, all right? 66% of church members expect a minister and a family to live at a higher moral standard than themselves. Now, you know, I tell y'all, when I teach to y'all, unless the Lord just told me to teach something specifically, when I'm teaching, 
I'm always reflecting on my life. And what the Lord told me is this. He said, how can you hold your man of God and your woman of God at a standard for living higher than your own moral standard for yourself? He says, yeah, they're pastors of the church, but technically you're the pastor of your house. How is your pastorship going? You got kids not listening. You got a spouse not listening. You always want to come for the pastor, but the church, your house is broken. The church, yo, I mean, come on, let's just be real. You, We judge a man and woman of God when we don't even lead, lead our own households more effectively than they are leading the church. You, you're a pastor yourself. All right? You're a pastor yourself. Pastor Brendan, you know, Pastor Chris. I mean, who else name I see? Pastor Michael, how you live? How do you lead your own house, right? Because it's really easy to be very judgmental of people when you at your own house is doing a more ineffective job than they are doing with a hundred members, and all you got is two kids and a spouse to take care of. Well, that's what the Lord was talking to me. So I don't get no amen there, but you know what? That's okay. I'm just going to keep going. Moral values of Christian is no different than those who consider themselves non-Christians. So you got pastors out here teaching. They're out here urging and encouraging us to walk according to the word. But at the end of the day, the morals of Christians is no different than the morals of those that are non-Christians. So they're like, all this work I'm doing, all this laboring, all this teaching, I know Pastor Aaron and Pastor Sean probably at least spend eight to 12 hours on, at minimum on every uh, message they teach. And a lot of times when, when they're teaching, they're probably teaching from things that they're studying in overflow, but there's times that God gives them specific words that may not have nothing to do with their personal study, but what needs to be done for the house. And so that's study on top of what they're doing for themselves, only for us to go out there and not listen, only for us to live the same uh, powerless lives that non-Christians are live. That's not honor because honor, we'll get to the honor about the money part. Uh, we'll get to the honor about the pray, uh, recognition, but let's talk about the honor about just obeying the word. Let's talk about the honor of just doing what's right. Now this last one, this next one I laughed at. The average American lies 23 times a day. 23 times a day. The, the and look how we come from a pastor. So a pastor tells one little lie, a lie or do something. We want their life. And on average, and some of y'all above average, all right? But 23 lies a day. Check out this next one. The profession of pastor is near the bottom of a survey of the most respected professions, just above a car salesman. Now this, now listen, this ain't just Ralph Gravity. This is Barner Research, right? So this is a recognized, re, this is Hartford Institute for Religious Research. So we ain't just grabbing statistics anywhere. The profession of, so that just tells you, what did I tell you the first thing that you got to do? You have to understand. You have to see that you have to recognize that your pastors are worthy of honor. Ain't, and I'm not knocking any car salesman. People make a good living. But the profession of pastor should not be down there at the bottom by car salesman. It just shouldn't. It, it just shouldn't. But that, that's because we don't value the position. All right. So let me get to this last stat for the, for the sake of time. Number one reason past, pastors leave the ministry. 
church people are not willing to go the same direction and goal of the pastor. Pastors believe God want them to go in one direction, but the people are not willing to follow or change. Ain't that something? You hire a man of God. Uh, or the man of God starts the ministry. You say, I'm called to, I heard God call me to this ministry. Let me help all y'all who hear God call you to a ministry. The same God that heard you, that told you you was going to come to this ministry in 2001, knew everything that Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean would say in 2021. It was that same God. That same God knew all that. So, so you called today, but tomorrow you're not called because what they said to do, you didn't like to do. You didn't like the direction. And so, so many pastors are willing to leave ministry because people they hearing God about the vision of the house, but the people they called to minister to are like, this ain't the direction we should go. Let's run on to Acts. Let me put some word on it for you. Let's go to Acts 16, verse 10. Acts 16, verse 10 says this. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had caused us to preach the gospel to them. They were traveling around and doing some things, and, and, and they were looking for the next direction to go. And so uh, they were at a point where they just stood still, and Paul overnight had a vision of going to Macedonia. And so he said, we need to go to Macedonia. And I love what the scripture then says. It says, after Paul had seen the vision, after the man of God had seen the vision, after the leader of the house had seen the vision, guess what happened? What pronoun you see there? We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. We can't have men and women of God out here leading ministries, and then we refuse to allow them to walk in the, the place, the position that God has called them to walk in. That's dishonorable for us to say that that's my man and woman of God, and they say, hey, now we're going to X, and then I'm not going to X because I don't feel like that's the direction that we should go, but baby, God ain't talking to you about the way that the, the church should go. He's talking to the man and woman of God about the direction that the church should go. I love a board of elders. You need good elders. You need deacons. But at the end of the day, God is speaking to the man and woman of God about the direction that the ministry should go. And you got boards and you got elders and you got deacons firing men and women of God because they feel this, well, St. John Baptist has done this for the last 112 years. And a man of God feels like the Lord has told him that this is the direction that we should go, but because it rocks the boat a little bit, because it's not what's traditionally been done, because their subconscious have been has been rocked to sleep. Because you talked about subconscious last week, right? It's doing it. It's all those homeostatic homeostatic impulses. It always wants to go along the path least travel. And so we got a bunch of deacons, a bunch of elders who are firing men and women of God because they're not willing to change. It's not that what the man and woman of God has been asked to do by God, that's the issue. It's just the church ain't willing to change. And that's why one of those statistics says many denominations are reporting an empty pulpit crisis. And you wonder why? Because if you call me to this place, if this is where I'm supposed to go, and then I tell you what the Lord has said, and then you fire me because it's not lined up with what you feel should be right, why should I take the job anyway? But as you can see, there's a lot of different things 
that our men and women of God encounters, right? There's a lot of, if you, if Pastor, if Pastor, if you're a partner here, but you go to your own church, you should honor the man or the woman of God that's in your ministry, right? You should honor them. And this is what I feel like, and this is wrath, and this is what I feel like is, is the truth. If you cannot honor your pastor, you need to find a new place to worship. If you can't honor your pastor, you need to find a new place to worship. Because if you can't honor them, then you don't have the capacity to trust them. If you can't trust them, then they can't lead you in the path that you should go through their teachings and through their 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 uh, urges. I mean, their urges and their uh, teaching and understanding to get you to the point to walk out the obedience to fulfill the manifestation that God has in your life. So if you cannot honor your leader, honor your pastor, then you just need to find a new place to worship. And, and as Pastor Sean said, and if you can't honor any leader, you have a devil that needs to be cast out. Y'all can stay long on that for a moment. Because everywhere you go, the pastor the problem. No, baby, you the problem. You it. You the problem. It ain't the pastor. You don't want to grow up. It's the pastor's job to help you see the blind spots. I don't know why we fasting. Yeah, because in your mirrors, you can't see that. It's in your blind spot. I don't know why I'm, I'm looking for a job that pays more than $60,000. It doesn't matter, baby. That's what the man of God says. You can have a job making more than $60,000 a year. It's in your blind spot. But so many times, because anything that looks different, then what's coming to us, we always going to want to kind of push back on us. That's what the subconscious does. But you got to be willing to let your man and woman of God to see those blind spots. So let's talk about real quick ways to honor our pastors. Yeah, nature, that's good. I think I skipped over that. Because when you become dishonorable to the pastor, you become dishonorable to God. Man, that's a whole that like that's a whole whole message. Now I'm gonna stay to my points tonight, but that, we may come back. That's a whole message. Like you, when you're dishonoring your pastor, it see you just think it stops there, but your pastor is positioned in their place by God. And so whenever I dishonor my man and woman of God, I am dishonoring God because I am dishonoring the person that God has placed in my life to shepherd over me. What was the purpose of a shepherd? The purpose of a shepherd was to protect the sheep, to guide the sheep, to ensure that they are safe. And as long as those sheep stayed near the shepherd, they were ensured safety. But when the sheep navigated away from the shepherd, then the sheep was now obligated, not even because they wanted to, but by, by, uh, by force through lack of honor for standing in the place they're supposed to, now they got to fend for the wolf on their own. And it's a lot of Christians out there that there are sheep that are left to pasture. And you're wondering why you're getting attacked and you're wondering why things aren't going your way. You're wondering why you're always uh, taking a step forward and three steps back. Baby, come back to the pasture. Or as we've been saying these last few months, come back home. Come back home. So how do I, ways to honor my pastor? Number one, I honor my pastor publicly, all right? I honor my pastor publicly, all right? I'm going to say some things you may or may not agree with, and that's okay, all right? But what I can tell you is this. You can't convince me otherwise that honoring my man and woman of God does not lead to blessings in my life, all right? 
I, I know that. As Pastor Evan say, it's TNT for me. It's tried and it's true. All right. Because I took a lot of ridicule from people uh, for, for my dedication to FOC. I mean, it's just the truth. I moved when the church moved. I did things. Me and April, I mean, I mean, our family, our parents talked to us about school and all this other stuff. We took a lot of slack about our commitment to, to the ministry. But what I knew is this: God called me to pass, called me to Edwin and Shun. That's who God called me to. So I used to have a saying: if they go to Alaska, I'm in tow. Because all I knew was this: until God told me not to be physically present with them, I was gonna find myself being physically present with them. And so when it was time to go, I was. It wasn't a question of what I was going. The question was when when I need to quit this job. What, where are we going? Why? Because when you get so committed to honor, God will always bring provision to the man that honors God. And we'll talk about that, uh, honors the man and woman of God. We'll talk about that in 2 Kings with the Shunammite woman. She saw that, she saw Elisha, she recognized that he should be honored. She went to her husband and she said, husband, the man of God travels through here. Let us build a room on our roof. Let's put a bed and a chair and a table in this room. Let's ensure that he has a place to go so that when he comes through, he can lay his head here. She recognized that he should be the honor. And we'll talk about how that rewarded her. All right. Because why should I recognize? Why should I honor my man and woman of God? It makes my life better. It does. So number one, ways to honor your pastor publicly. First Thessalonians 5 and 12. Out of the message says this. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have given the responsibility, urging and guiding you along in your obedience. So, I, I mean, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. Let them know. Let the world know we got the best pastors on this side of heaven. Now, you like, no, my pastor is the best. You know what? Your pastor can be the best pastor for you. But as for me, for Ralph Marlowe, Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean are the best pastors on this side of the planet. They, 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 they're my shepherds, right? So publicly, and I'll be honest with you, I don't let nobody talk about my man and woman of God. I don't fool with folks that don't fool with them. And that's the thing that you got to understand. You can't come in here talking about Edwin and Sean and think you're going to be okay in my house. They think you're going to be okay in my setting because I don't fool with people that don't fool with them. But so many times, because honor says this, I defend their reputation. Now, some of y'all have had pastors that have hurt your heart. Some And church hurt is real. And I am not, by no means not saying church hurt that doesn't exist. But pastors is one of the only positions that gets no forgiveness. I mean, you had teachers that called you dumb, but you still went and got education. You didn't quit school in high school. You went on to college and did everything that. And then you're like, look at me now, Miss So-and-so. I ain't that dumb. Why? Because you didn't give up on education because you had a bad teacher. You didn't give up on doctors because you had a bad doctor. You sure didn't give up on them dudes when you had a bad dude. You just kept finding a new dude. You kept finding a new her. You know, you just kept going. You didn't quit on people when people quit on you. But pastors, you let you have one bad pastor. All pastors are bad. You let you have one bad church experience. All churches are bad. You let one man or woman of God don't operate in fidelity and integrity with the money and all preachers just going to steal your money. Let me tell you something real quick. It doesn't matter if they take your money and burn it up 
If God told you to sow the money, then you sow the money. Your harvest has nothing to do with what they go do with the money. Your harvest is tied up in your obedience to God. So as long as I'm sowing money where God says so, as long as I'm serving what God says serve, as long as I'm honoring what God says honor, then what they do really has nothing to do with your obedience. But this is what I will tell you. We follow Pastor Edwin, we follow Pastor Sean as they follow God. That I'll follow them to the ends of the earth as they follow God. Yeah, Julie, let me post that if you don't mind. You didn't give up on the dude when you were supposed to. You knew he wasn't no good. Y'all preaching in the comments. You knew he wasn't no good. You knew he was using you. You knew, I forgot the word that came up with, you knew he just needed a warm place to lay his head for the winter. You knew that, but you were so alone that you just let him come up in there anyway. You knew that. You knew you were supposed to say no, you didn't. But that one pastor, when you were seven, said something, hobosexual. Thanks, Pastor John. It's hobosexual. That's what it was. You, 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 just, you just can't lump all pastors together. Because here's the thing, pastors need grace too. Pa pastors need grace too. You can't be out there thinking that pastors, I'm not sure how it's gotten to the point that we think pastors are superhuman and that they are God, right? It goes back to that moral standard. I mean, I remember Pastor Aaron Pastor went to Vegas and they was telling us how people were saying that, hey, how you how you going to go to Sin City? Well, because I wanted to travel there. I mean, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I can't go to Vegas. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I can't go here or there. That's a moral standard that the world has created, not God. And so you throwing away pastors because they don't fit your box. But let me help you. Pastors were never intended to fix your box, fit into your box. Their goal, their job is to fit into God's box, the frame in which God has for them to operate. So number one, number one way to honor my pastors publicly, all right? Now, number two, all right? I told you I'm not going to belabor this. I'm not going to spend a long time on this. The second way you, you honor your pastor, you encourage them personally, all right? First Thessalonians 5 and 13, overwhelm them with what? Appreciation and love. All right. Overwhelm. That didn't just say every now and then. That doesn't say uh, once a quarter. That says overwhelm them. So it's our job for them to always to know that we are grateful for how they serve us. We are grateful for the time they commit to uh, studying the word. We are grateful for the times they fast and hear God on the direction of the ministry. We're, we're grateful for the word of God that this is the year of release. This is the year of five to one. This is the year of household salvation. We're grateful for those words. Why? Because they're helping us walk out our obedience so that we can manifest the fullness of God. So I, I encourage them personally. Then don't forget about this last part of this scripture. You get along among yourselves. Each of you doing what? Your part. Each of you doing your part. I Go ahead and type this. Say, I have a part to play. I have a part to play. Every single partner at FOC has a part to play. Actually, you're like, well, right now, we just, we still virtual. Okay. 
We still need people doing victory zone lessons. We still need people praying. We still need people uh, greeting the new visitors. We still need people thinking of ideas on how to reach those that are lost. We still need people in their local communities healing the sick, casting out demons. We still need people doing that. So no matter where you are, God, right now in this season, what's my part to play? Why? Because I'm a partner, which means that I have a part, I have an invested interest in the well-being of the success and the, uh, the manifestation of the vision of this house, which is to what? Teach people to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of their life. So God, what's my part to play in that? In the body of Christ, there's nobody on the sideline. See, I know in sports, you like, well, I'm not a start, starter. I'm just bench right now. Baby, there's no bench warmers in the body. There, there's enough work for everybody. There's enough work for everybody. All right? So we got to encourage them personally. How do we do that? We overwhelm them with appreciation and love. We get along among ourselves. We ain't out here gossiping about our man and woman of God. We ain't out here making life hard because we getting into it in the church, talking about church splits. We ain't doing all that. We get along among ourselves. All right? We mind our business. Part of the way you do that, you don't fool with folks that don't align with the vision of this house. That's, or in other words, you tame your team. You tame your team. All right, number three, how do we honor our man and woman with God? We bless them tangibly, all right? Galatians 6 and 6 in God's word translation says this, the person who has taught God's word should share all good things with his teacher. All right, let's, let's do a quiz. It says the person who taught God's word should share some of the good things with his teacher. Most of the good things with his teacher. 99.9% .9 of the good things with his teacher. No, it says all. So when you, and sometimes we know that uh, we may feel like it get on people's nerves, but baby, listen, that's encouragement. For, for me to get a job making X number of dollars, and that was my goal, and Pastor Edwin, the first thing I did when I got, when, when, when uh, I, Pastor Edwin coached me through everything, and the first thing I did when I got that yes, I called him and said, Dad, I got it. I, I, I'm there. You know, why? Because I'm communicating back in all good things. Now, I just didn't say that. You know what else I did? I sold money. All right. Part, you do what you want to do. And I've always been a very open person. So I, I tell you, every month I send them a seed. I do. Every single month, as far as I can remember back, I've been sending them a seed. And, and, and it wasn't a lot. And, I, and I'm not saying that they can go buy any, I mean, a whole bunch with what I send now. But you know what? Every, it ain't a month to go by that I don't send them something. And you know what? I got a goal in mind on what I want that to be. And I just let it grow. And you know, and, and I just let it grow. And each year, I, I just grow it up until it's manifested into what I know I have in my heart for what it want to be. But I communicate back to them. Why? Because every day they're, they're communicating for me. Every day they're interceding on my behalf. Every day they're doing that. And so it doesn't matter where I find myself in life, I'm going to always be blessing my man and woman of God financially with my talents, with my gifts, with whatever I have, because when I make their life easy, it makes me more profitable.
I'm going to let y'all sit on that for a second. When you make their life easy, when we honor them, it makes our life more profitable. How? Because they're able to do what God has called them to do with ease. And with ease comes an openness to hear God. Why? Because they're not weighed down by wondering if we're going to vote them out the church, which we now have them them start the church. So that ain't happening. We ain't worried about, they ain't worried about having to work 90 hours a week in counsel us. They ain't worried about having to talk to every single partner in the ministry because there's nobody else in the ministry that can help them uh, counsel people in the ministry. They got they got Chandra, they got Pastor Nature, they got Pastor Chris, they got they got Elder Valley, they got all kind, they got other people that can help. Why? Because we all have a part to play. All right. Second scripture. All right. First, First Timothy five and seventeen, and the Easy Read version says this: The elders who lead the church in a good way should receive what? Double honor. So listen, we shouldn't just honor Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean. Because I'm not sure about you, but they lead, they not only lead in a good way, they lead in, lead in an excellent way. They go exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can even ask of a man and woman of God. And so they deserve double honor. This ain't rap talking. This is the Bible talking. Because I want you to understand that when we're talking about honor, this isn't something that, that pastors have made up because they want these, these blind sheep to follow them. No. This is how the church was set up in the beginning. The Bible said, we'll get to it in a second, uh, but this is how the church was set up. I, you, the church should support the man and woman of God so well that they don't need another job. I mean, but that, that's just the truth about it. Now, y'all, we may not want to hear that, but see, that's why FOC has 100% tithers, because we want to make sure that we are doing our part. Part of our part is bringing our tithe into the storehouse. Why? So that it could take care of the men, because the tithe was designed to take care of the, uh, the, the leadership. That's what the tithe was. It was designed to take care of the pastors, the preachers, the apostles. That's what it was designed to do. But you don't want to, you don't want to give tithe, but you want them available, right? You, you don't want to give offering, but you want them available. You don't, I mean, how crazy is that? I grew up in a small church uh, in Prescott, Arkansas, uh, and it was crazy that people wanted the pastor to always be available, but the pastor had to work a full-time job just to take care of his family. So how are you going to want this man to be available, but you ain't willing to give what you need to give to take care, to make sure that uh, the church has enough to pay them a decent wage to take care of their family? See, honor is simple sometimes. It's giving your tithe. Honor is, is giving your offering. Honor is obeying God when they say, send that send that text to Pastor Edwin or Pastor Sean, just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Or, or, hey, I want you to know how the word blessed me. Because that's honor. I mean, they are humans. You don't think that they're impacted by what's going on with COVID, what's going on with the pandemic. Now, we know God takes care of them, and they know that, but still, all of that stimuli is coming into their life. They got five kids, not one, not two, not three, but five that they got to take care of, right? And they ain't counting all the spiritual children and all the members of the church. And so one scripture talks about the anxiety of pastors. And so we have to make sure that we are communicating back to them 
the effectiveness that they're having in our lives. So we bless them tangibly. Now, uh, uh, I can go on about that a, long, a lot, but we're not. that's not the purpose tonight. I'm giving you a scaffolding to work by. So you got Galatians 6 and 6, and you got 1 Timothy 5 and 7. All right, number four, ways to bless our man and woman of God. Help fulfill the vision. Help fulfill the vision. Let's go to uh, Exodus 17, verse 12. Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Aaron, oh man, I actually practiced that. And then I, I'm just going to say her, went to the top of the hill. All right. It turned out that whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. But Moses' hands got tired. Your pastor gets exhausted. Your, your, your pastor isn't superhuman. They get tired like you get tired, baby. You, you single with no kids, no spouse, and you talking about how you exhausted from the week. They got a whole church, five kids and each other that they got to deal with. Their hands get tired. Go ahead. They, their hands get tired. It says, so they got a stone and set it under him. He sat on it and so, so let me help you. This because I, I love them, and I just tell you how it is, and I don't care who comes for me, because at the end of the day, I'm here. I, I'm here. Uh, but you got to understand, it's our job in honoring our men and women of God to see their need and then provide rest for them. It didn't say. Uh, it didn't say that Moses had to ask them. It didn't say that, that Moses inquired of them. It said Moses raised his hands, and when his hands was up, they were winning. And when he lowered his hands, they were losing. But Moses got tired. You're a man and woman of God. They, they, they get tired sometimes. They get tired of praying. They don't always feel like praying. They don't always feel like preaching. Pastor Evan didn't feel like driving to Conway for eight years. He didn't feel like driving. Pastor Sean and April and Chris didn't feel like driving five hours one way to Dallas. They didn't feel like doing that. Nobody wakes up and just says, I want to do that. They didn't feel like it when they were in Conway and they were coming to church two and a half hours one way with five kids packed in there only to walk in the church and see that there were more people in their family sometimes than people sitting in the church. That didn't feel good. They won't always say it, but I'll say it for them. That doesn't look good. Nobody wants to do that. That's not honor because that's not honor. So what happened was this. What happened was this. We see our man and woman of God getting exhausted. We set a stone underneath them. What's that stone? That's Chandra coming in and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to hold down prayer for the ministry. That's Pastor Nitra coming in and saying, you know what? I'm going to hold down Victory Zone. Pastor April and Ari and all our great victims, Malaya. You know what that stone looks like? That looks like Elder Valley and Pastor Chris leading worship. That looks, that looks like when we had parking lot ministry, Andre taking care of the parking lot. He said, you know what, Pastor Edwin? I see your arms getting a little tired, sir. Let me come in and put this stone under you so you can rest a little bit. Why? Because you still got to win and you can't win on your own, son. So let me help you. Let me observe 
a need in the ministry and let me come give rest to my man and woman of God. So that's what they did. Aaron and Hare, uh, Hare came in and they held up his hands, one on each side. So his hands remained steady until the sun went down and Joshua defeated Amalek and his army in battle. You got so many churches and so many men of God, women of God getting defeated, not because they did anything wrong. Nobody was willing to bring a stone in to give them rest. Nobody was willing to come in and lift up their arms and hold them up so that they can experience victory. We come for men, pastor. We come for the pulpit, but we don't come always to bring them rest. We come to tear them down. And that's just not honor. That's not honor. That's not honor. And so number four uh, is help fulfill the vision. How? By bringing in that stone and saying, sit down, Pastor Edwin. Like me and Pastor Edwin, we've been rocking long enough now. And, and Pastor John, you're like, no, we got that. No, you don't got to do that. Now, because when you, you got to realize that Pastor Edwin's nature is always to be involved. Even now today, he is sitting here in this studio because that's how he's wired. And we'll learn to let him do that. But we like, hey, you need to just chill sometimes. Right. You just need to learn to rest because it's our job to pray and intercede for them. And I love our, our prayer ministry because they, they never have we prayed and not 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 pray for our men and women of God. I love his heart. I love it, too, Chris, because look. It's easy to serve Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean because over 20 years, over 20 years, I've never seen myself give anything that Pastor Edwin has not already given himself. It's times where he has tried to protect me because he's like, Raph, you got kids, you got this. I'm like, you got kids too. Like, 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 so what? Because we endeavor together, you got the vision but we endeavoring together. So I'm not going to now let you go and sacrifice time with your kids to build a ministry. And then I'm not willing to do the same. Let me sit this stone under you. I'm holding up your arms. Whether you like it or not, I'm holding up this arm. Why? Because we're going to let you rest, but we still going to have victory together. All right. So what are some ways to help fulfill the vision? All right. What are some ways? Because number four is help fulfill the vision. Let me give you real quick three ways that you can help fulfill the vision. Because I know this one is dear and near to Pastor Edwin's heart. Like he he likes money. He he likes words of encouragement. But if you really want to 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 uh you know you got they got the five love languages right. If you really want to tap into his love language when it comes to ministry. You go out there and find yourself fulfilling the vision. So number one, how can I help fulfill the vision? Follow your pastor and invest in his joy. Hebrews 13 and 17 says this, obey those. I know I know, y'all already shaking. He's just a man. What you mean obey him? I'm, I'm just reading the Bible. Don't argue with Ralph, argue with Jesus. Argue with God, he wrote it. But this is what it says, obey those who rule over you. Well, they ain't no good but find a new place to go. Ask Holy Spirit to tell you where to go. That's why I told you, if you can't honor the man of God, then you just need to find a new place to worship because you can't do what needs to be done. You're just going to be a cancer in the body. If you can't honor the man of God, then just ask Holy Ghost for your place because obviously this ain't it. But you know what's the truth though? It probably is it. It's just that you don't want to submit yourself. 
because honestly, you selfish, you're prideful, and that you don't you don't like to submit to nobody because you think you know all that. That's why you keep getting in wrecks. That's why you keep getting very in it. That's why you keep getting T-boned in the side. Why? Because you can't see those blind spots. You can't see the blind spots. Because what's the purpose of a pastor? To help you see the blind spots in life. So let's get back to Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they, what it says, be submissive. I have to cause myself to submit. I mean, I'm a smart guy. I got I got several degrees. I got a really high IQ. I mean, I mean, I'm intelligent. But you know, at the end of the day, if I think I should go left, but I'm not sure if I heard God and I call Pastor Edwin and he says go right, you know where I'm going? I'm going right every time, all the time. Why? Because I have submitted myself because the word says that he'll give me pastors after his own heart to shepherd over me, to help me walk out my obedience. So in the times I don't know which direction to go because I'm not sure if I'm hearing God, maybe my feelings are too invested. Maybe I'm too emotionally involved and I can't hear God because my judgment is clouded. And I call my man of God and ask for direction. I call my woman of God and I ask for direction. Then whatever direction they give me, that's what God just said. But if you can't honor your man of God, then you won't trust your man of God. If you can't trust your man of God, then you waste his time and your time by asking them questions because you ain't going to do what they ask you anyway. All right. So let's go back. to. I don't even think we finished Hebrews 13 yet. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for what? Listen, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean deserve honor because they watching out for your mind, your will your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect, baby. They are out there. Pastor Shun is doing soul shifts. I mean, she is trying to get you to the point where your soul is shifted from a worldly thinking. She is taking you through Romans 10, 12 and 2 so that you're no longer conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your soul. She is bringing you up out of the complacency in which your subconscious has dwelled for decades and getting you to the place where your subconscious is in alignment with the kingdom culture so that you may see it in your mind, you may see it, uh, in your mind, you may say it with your mouth and you may manifest that thing in the earth. That's what they're doing. All right. Hebrews 13 and 17 out of the message says it this way. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. I told you, we follow God as we follow them as they follow God. I love the message translation. They are, they are alert to the condition of your life. See, that's why when I call them for advice, I trust God that they hear God about what's going on in my life. They hear God about the direction I should go in. But also, that's why they always ask you, what did God say? And, and, and if you tell them that God said do this, then they're going to tell you, okay, do that. Why? Because they understand they don't compete with God. So, but that's why when you ain't heard God, don't be calling them lying like you did. Just say, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. I think this is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm unsure. Why? Because they are your shepherds and we are their sheep. 
then they have been alerted to the conditions of our life and they work under the strict supervision of God. And let me help you. It ain't my job. Like God holds them accountable. God, it's God's job to judge them and hold them accountable and keep them in their place. That's a whole message in itself too for y'all. It, 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 I mean, it, they work under the strict supervision of God. And so look at the end of the scripture. It says, contribute to their joy of their leadership, not its drudge, drudgery, all right? Why would you want to make things harder for them? Go back to the King James for me, uh, somebody. It says, for that would be unprofitable to you. So when you cause them grief, when you don't let them do their job with joy, that's unprofitable to you. So you thought I was lying when I said honoring your pastor, when you dishonor your pastor, it hurts you. No, I wasn't lying. That's scripture. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable to you. So when I don't do what God needs me to do, when it comes down to honoring my man and one of God, it's unprofitable to me. All right, let me hurry up because I'm a little over. Number two, free your pastor from things that would distract him from prayer and the word. And you know, when I said him, him mean him and her. So don't don't come for me about women preaching. I, I believe, so yeah, for y'all those who like to do that. Acts 6, 1 through 4. I'm just going to read this to you and you take it. But as believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. See, some of y'all right there would have been offended. Look at them pastors. They think they all that. Like they can't serve no plates. Like they can't get out here and help wash cars. Like they can see some of y'all will be offended because your pastor ain't doing that. But baby, listen, that pastor's job is to light their face up before God to give you a word that changes your life. It ain't out there to be parking cars. It ain't out there to be sitting people in seats. It's not out there to be singing on the praise team. It ain't out there to be leading prayer and all that stuff. Look, look what they did. He says, we apostles spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brother, select seven men. Now, here's the problem. All right, I'm going to read this to you. But y'all look what the problem is. So, brother, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. That's why we got to grow up, saints. We got to grow up because as FOC expands and we are in multiple states and then we got multiple ministries in multiple states, then Pastor Edwin can be, even if he got a jet, a helicopter, an RV and everything else, he can't be in several places at the same time. It's going to need other people to take care of people. Like even right now in the pandemic, him and Pastor Sean can't be calling every member of FOC trying to figure out how well they're doing and all of that. So people got to have jobs, but we got to have people who are not no longer consuming the milk of the word, but now they're consuming the meat of the word because they've grown up, they have matured, they're well-respected in their community, they're well-respected. Right, Leslie, we have to become sons. I mean, that that if you ain't listened to that, uh, growing into sonship, you need to just go back. I think we're five uh, sermons in. Go back to the podcast, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, listen. But we have to grow up and become sons so that when the time comes, 
the pastor can rely on us and know that whatever we present will be done so with his heart and will be done so with excellence, all right? We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Then number three, as we wrap up tonight, you got to empathize with the weight of the ministry that your pastor carries. And this is the scripture I was telling you about, 2 Corinthians 11, 28. Besides all those external things they got going on, there is this daily inescapable pressure of my concern for all the churches. So in other words, the pastor, we're always on their mind on top of everything else they got going on. And so that's why it's our job to empathize with them. What does that look like? It looks like a whole bunch of prayer. It's like every time when I wake up in the morning, I pray for my family. I pray, I pray, I thank for the, thank God for the Holy Spirit. And I pray for the church and I pray for my man and woman of God because I, I understand the weight, the pressures that's on their life to, to the moral standard that the world has placed on them, not even God to live lives a certain way. And that they got to deal with all these naysayers that say they ain't running ministry the right way, that they shouldn't have said this that they shouldn't wear this, that they have no place in doing this. Well, a lot of times people say stuff because they don't know what God's God on their life. So just because one pastor doesn't do it doesn't mean another pastor doing it makes it wrong. Everybody is called to do a certain thing. In the kingdom, there's niches. And so God has called, we got a niche for FOC and we got to walk within what God has called us to do. And our we got to support our pastors in doing that. And so why should we honor our pastor? Because it blesses us. And I told you about the Shunammite woman. She recognized that the man of God needed to be honored. She took, the, she went to her husband and said, husband, let's build on the house. They built the house, I mean, the uh, room on, they put the bed and stuff in there. And, and then because she honored the man, he 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 went to, uh, he went to Gehazi and said, what does she need? And she, Gehazi was like, well, she doesn't have a kid. And so he brought her in there. He said, man of God, I mean, woman, woman, you will have a kid next year. And she was like, now, man of God, don't you be playing with me. And see, look, but we got to do what, what she did. She still just believed. When Pastor Edwin said that everybody at FOC can make $100,000, you, you could have been like the woman, like, Pastor Edwin, don't you be playing with me. But then you could have been like, okay, but he said it. So I'm going to receive this. And you could manifest because that next year, the Bible says she had a kid. And, and she had a kid and everything was well. And then the kid died. And, and her husband, she's like, hug, get this horse and all this stuff and, and let's go. And her husband's like, well, it ain't time to go. And she's like, well, we got to go. And she and her husband's like, what's wrong? She said, all is well. Why? Because when you have, when you know what has been promised to you, it doesn't matter if that job told you no. What's the word over the house? You can make six digits. So it doesn't matter what, what was said. She said, all is well. She went and she told the man, I ain't leaving without you. He he sends Gehazi with the staff. Gehazi said, I put the staff on the kid. The kid still, still didn't wake up. So he goes and stretch over the kid. The kid raises up. Why? Because her honor caused her to have a kid. She was barren. She, she, well, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I read it was barren. She didn't have a kid and her husband was old, of old age. So she got something that she desired all her life. Then, not only that, when it seemed like that thing was taken from her, it was renewed. 
And then later on, he warned her of famine to come and she left. But when she came back seven years later, her house and everything that she should have had, she went to the king. And uh, the king was telling Gehazi to tell her him of the stories of Elisha. And, she, and he was telling her how Elisha healed somebody. He was like, look, there go that good woman. She the mother of the kid that Elisha raised up. And the king called her forth. He's like, hey, let me restore everything back to you as if you had had it for all seven years. So when I begin to honor the man of God, I can possess things that I've only desired. I have debt things resurrected in my life. And then I always have direction in the midst of a famine and I'll never lose anything. Those are things that happen when you begin to honor your man and woman of God. And so that that's the word. And so, at, and I know it's October, but you, this ain't just the only month we honor uh, our man and woman of God. We do this every day, 365 days of the week. I look, go ahead and type this. I look to, I look for ways to honor my man and woman of God. I look for ways. I don't wait for Pastor Chris to send out something asking for money for pastor's anniversary or their birthday or anything. I look for opportunities. I love that, uh, Leslie, every day to honor my man and woman of God. And sometimes it's just like, Pastor Sean, you know what? I thank you. I thank you for every one of them times in that office you went off on me. I thank you for all them times that you didn't hold back I because you helped me grow up. You, you helped me understand that living the way that I was living and selling for the things I was selling for was so far beneath what God had, had wanted for me. It didn't feel good at the time to be in that hallway getting talked to. It didn't feel good at the time to my flesh, but she was helping me see the blind spots. She was helping me see the blind spots. And when you understand honor has nothing to do with how you feel, then you'll stand there to take it because I understand because I trust them with my life. I understand that the words they give me are designed to grow me up and walk out the obedience in which I need to manifest the fullness of God in my life. That's what it truly means to honor God. Honor looks like honor has nothing to do with your feelings. Honor has nothing to do with your feelings. I don't care if I don't feel like sending them the money this month. Honor says if your man and woman of God do their job good, they deserve double honor. So, so, so I'm like, God, what can I give them? What do I have in my house that I can send to them? What can I bless them with? You know, because that's what honor looks like. All right. So that's the word for tonight. I ask God this week, God, how do I honor my man and woman of God? How do I honor Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean? How do I honor the pastor of the church I go to? Because I'll tell you, if you just go into church and you ain't doing nothing, you're a parasite. And God hasn't called anybody to be a parasite. There's no parasite. <laughs> I love y'all. I ain't looking at y'all. But I just want to, like, I know I say stuff, but you got to know where it's coming from. Y'all, I think y'all know my heart. God hasn't called anybody to parasitic living. Your pastor isn't a host in which you pray upon for words, for encouragement for direction and for all these things and never give anything back to. There's no parasitic relationships in FOC. There are no parasitic relationships in FOC. Why? Because this is a partnership. Members pray. Partnerships partner. 
Partner, partners active. Partners contribute. All right, partners contribute. There are no parasites. So at this time, the doors of the church are open. So if you don't know the Lord is your, if you don't know Jesus is your Lord and your personal Savior, if in the Baptist church and I grew up, all right, uh, we'll pull out them two chairs. But tonight you may see two chairs, but baby, it's open to infinitely many people. So if you don't know Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior, come on home. All right. If tonight's message cuts you, all right, I pray that the Holy Spirit will be a band-aid for you. But more than anything, here's the thing about cuts, because we, we think cuts are bad. When muscles are torn through working out, it doesn't feel good at the time for your muscles to be torn. You wake up the next day pain. It's hard, it's hard to walk. It's hard to move. But what? guess what happens a week or so later as those cuts heal, you're stronger than you were before. And that's what that's what the word of God is designed to do. It cuts us sometimes. It causes us to be uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, those wounds heal, baby, and we're stronger than we are before. We were before. Why? Because I won't let the enemy cause me to be dishonorable to my man of God, therefore dishonoring God, therefore causing me not to be able to inherit the abundance that God has already died for me to have. So y'all come home with me. And this is all you got to say, Jesus, I'm coming home. I already know that you, you got a place for me. I'm coming home. I accept you as Lord of my life. I declare that I'll live the rest of my life for you. And I want that Holy Spirit. I want him to dwell in my heart so that I may live the life that you have called me to live so that he will cause your love to be shed abroad in my heart. Is there, the, the, the come and say, is there one? Is there one tonight? Because growing up, we made that all serious. But coming to Jesus could be fun. It doesn't got to be this, 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 whatever. Uh, it could be fun. Just come on home. And if you want to be a partner of FOC, you know God's called you to be the partner of FOC. Listen, you need to just go on, run on over there to focchurch.com, scroll down, and, and become a partner. Why? Because partnership has its privileges. You won't find a better man and woman of God than Pastor Evelyn, Pastor Sean. 20 years of integrity, 20 years of excellence, 20 years of fidelity, 20 years of coming before us and lighting our face up before God, 20 years of accurate word, 20 years of simple, practical teachings that help us grow up in life. You won't, you won't get a better man and one of God than that. And so you, if you're wondering, let me help you answer. The Bible says this. He's like, uh, he tells them, that, hey, pick Jesus. Pick Jesus. That's what he tells. He says, I love before you, blessings and cursing. He said, for all y'all, let me put y'all in special education class. You got two choices. I'm eliminating one. Pick Jesus. So I'm telling you now, go ahead and pick FOC. Pick FOC. If God has called you, pick Jesus first. And then if you don't got a church home, pick FOC. I'm going to eliminate answers for you. All right, become a virtual partner today. And lastly, give. You got several ways to give, Givelify, PushPay, Tidly, Text to Give, and PayPal. Make sure that you're giving. Why? Because at FOC, we have 100% tithers. 100% tithers at FOC. We have people who are hearing God on what they should give. All right? And lastly, uh, if you haven't already, make sure that if you didn't get to honor Pastor uh, Chris from week one, make sure you honor her, right? And, and, and here's what I'll tell some of you. Do not minimize your seed. 
because it's really easy to think, well, they make a lot of money or they got this or they got that. Don't let the enemy cause you to minimize your seed. All right. I remember times were giving past Evan them five to ten dollars was really a stretch. You know, that was really a stretch for me. But you know what? I proved honorable. And I remember times when the enemy was talking to me, what's your little five dollars? What's that going to do? You know what it's going to do? It's going to prosper me. That's what your dollar going to do. If that's all you got, it's going to prosper you. Why? Because you're doing it according to the word. And no man's going to obey God in their giving and God not cause that thing to grow up. And now I can give so much more and not even miss it. Why? Because I've allowed that $5 seed to grow up and it became more and more and more and more. And I still got plans. I mean, I still got plans for that seed to grow up. Why? Because I want to I want to write checks that got five, I got commas in it, commas. And so I got some growing left to do. But baby, don't don't let the enemy talk to you about your seed. If it's 50 cent, you pay. I'm not sure if cash out lets you send 50 cent, but you cash out your 50 cent and you be proud of your 50 cent. Why? Because your 50 cent will grow for you, baby. Your 10 cent will grow for you. Your $25, it'll grow for you. But the seed that the seed that won't can't grow is the one that's never planted. So don't let your the enemy talk you out of not sowing. Whatever the amount is, you sow your seed. And I didn't do an hour. It's an hour, 23 minutes, but hey, I love y'all. I hope you love me and you guys be blessed and have a great rest of the night.